0: Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Solutions Watch. I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, but you already knew that. And this is the final edition of the Corbett Report for the year 2023. Thank you all for another wonderful year. I hope Santa left whatever Santa left under your tree that was made you all happy. And I hope you all have a happy new year. But before... I wrap things up for the year. How about an extremely lengthy episode of Solutions Watch? Yay! Everyone cheers wildly in the crowd, I'm sure. Yes, for people who are new to all of this or new to the Corbett Report, well, you have some catching up to do, but I would suggest you start with introducing Solutions Watch, where I introduced the Solutions Watch podcast, lo those, many years ago? Well, at the beginning of 2021 anyway, almost three years ago in which I explained Solutions Watch is not a spectator sport. It is a participant activity, and thus it requires your feedback and commentary. And also that Solutions Watch is an ongoing process of throwing out ideas, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, adjusting uh, uh, actions accordingly, etc. So as part of that... As you may or may not know, at the end of every year, I have a year-in-review episode of Solutions Watch, where I go through every single episode of Solutions Watch that was released in that year, and we go through and follow up. What happened? What didn't happen? what How did people respond? What what do people have to say? What updates are there? etc. Now, this is going to be a lengthy, lengthy, voluminous explanation and follow-up and podcast, so uh, I've got my hot chocolate ready. I hope you have yours. And if so, let's dive in, shall we? Because, as I say, this is going to take a while. (laughs) So let's get straight into it. Uh, The first episode of Solutions Watch for 2023 was Truth Finds a Way, released on January 11th, in which I talked about funny and creative ways that people have used to get around censorship in the past. Just a, a fun and interesting episode to kick off the new year. And uh, you might recall that I was talking about such things as the uncensored library and DCSS t-shirts and other interesting ways of circumventing censorship. So people in the comments had their own ideas for circumventing censorship in fun ways. For example, Buck wrote, Fascinating. I'm thinking QR codes that display simple text, photographs of information on Dropbox accounts, appendix in books or e-books, ingredients on purchased packaging, mail ads, song lyrics, and on and on. It truly is an arm arms race. Love it. Okay, great. Thank you for that, Buck. And AKX wrote, according to SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States, money is speech, right? Use bills to spread your message, however. QR codes could work, but also print bills, unlike t-shirts, pass around and eventually reach many people who can then duplicate the message on their own bills. Exponential expansion can take over the world. And I'm sure we've all seen that, some example of that, someone writing something on a on a bill that then gets passed around and you end up with it. it it's certainly been done, and it's a, uh, it's a time-honored technique for getting a message circulating through the economy, quite literally. Anyway, Lots of other good ideas in the comments that uh, I suggest that if you uh, if you haven't seen them, that you go rewatch that episode and all of these episodes that we're talking about today or the ones that you find interesting. And of course, look through the comments because you'll find more about printing out postcards for distribution at local businesses, various ways around the Gootube Facebook sensors, etc. So um, Buck, AKX, anyone else out there? Any luck with any of that? Again, report back to headquarters. Leave... Your updates on this particular activity and censorship skirting in the comments for this review episode, which, by the way, is corporatereport.com/slash/2023solutions, as in 2023 solutions. All right, moving right along. January seventeenth, the second edition of Solutions Watch for 2023 was on content safe, which you may or may not recall is a company, an idea started by Matthew Raymer that helps, well, particularly content creators like myself, um, but potentially other people as well, to back up and store their work as well as distribute it to various platforms. And that's what I have been using content, say, f- for, for the year 2023. Um, as you know, all of these videos are automatically uploaded. Archive, BitShoot, Rumble, uh, Rockfin, uh, Odyssey, Substack. Um, am I forgetting any? Anyway, uh, a lot of that uploading is done automatically through Content Safe. So thank you to Matthew Raymer for doing that. And I would humbly suggest if there are other content creators in the crowd who are manually uploading everything that they do to every single platform, <laughs> Ryan Christian, <laughs> you might want to consider something like Content Safe um, as a way of doing that. But um, I have an update from Matthew himself
1: hello James it's been a good year 2023 has been a fantastic year and it started with you promoting us on your show uh, we've grown got around 50 clients and some nice clients everybody's a uh, part of the family now and the, some things that we're working on presently are uh, adding transcription. Uh, to our systems, so that we can transcribe and provide transcripts to the platforms that don't have them. And we're also uh, doing some entity extraction so we can create our own keywords. And we also have plans for uh, integration with uh, what's going to be called SensorGuard. It's a IPFS-based appliance that I'm helping write the software for. Uh, Plus we are planning to add search. and of transcripts and uh, of summaries and titles as well as uh, the ability uh, to um, uh, perhaps query a, a content creators uh, material using a chatbot that's a little bit maybe third quarter next year uh, one thing i do have to ask of your audience is i am looking presently for a developer it's a uh, piecework at present and if we were happy with the work we would expand to part-time and once we get enough uh, more clients to full-time and we need someone who is uh, proficient in python uh, kubernetes, uh, kubernetes or uh, network technology and It can be more than one, and we prefer that the person be from the alternative alternative freedom community rather than just someone from normal space, because we we really need people to understand why we do what we do. Okay, James, many blessings for this coming year, and I hope to get to talk to you personally again in 2024. Oh, I forgot. You can contact me at content Just use the onboarding form. Thank you.
0: Thank you for that, Matthew. And for people who didn't catch that, yes, you can contact him via his contact form at contentsafe.co. So if there are any developers in the crowd who have those particular um, requisite skills, maybe think of getting in touch with him. At any rate, let's move along to the next edition of Solutions Watch number three. Well, released on January 24th, Rage Against the War Machine, in which I talked to Angela McArdle of the Libertarian Party and Nicholas Brana of the People's Party about their Rage Against the War Machine rally that they held in D.C. in February. It was still pending at that time. Obviously, it has since happened. Um, and there was a lot of... Well, first of all, you can actually watch the footage of the event and the various speakers. That is all preserved online. But you can also... Read some of the commentary that was received about that event on CorbettReport.com from Corbett Report members, who, by the way, thank you for making this work possible. Anyway, for example, Corbett Report member Detox uh, wrote, Thank you, James, for this great interview, inspiring these bright young minds to greatness. I hope everyone is gearing up for the rage against the War Machine Rally in D.C. on Sunday. I'm packing my bags for the big weekend now. I'm looking for a mention, a forward to a mention of it on New World next week. If you can't attend, please donate to the organizers. For some strange reason, this war doesn't offend some historical funders of anti-war events. Obviously talking about the then war of the Ukraine war, right? Not talking about the current war, the Gaza war. Anyway. And there's a link to RageAgainstWar.com. And on the other side, you had uh, commenters like J-Wall who wrote, a big, ma- minor- a big majority of the people don't want war. But those ver- very protests you present all failed. People claim it was the protests that stopped the Vietnam War. Actually, it was the draftees refusing to go out and fight that forced the end. Result? No more draftees, just volunteers and psychopaths. Volunteers is in quotes because many are economically coerced, can't get the pay and benefits anywhere else. And there have been economic, vaccine, lockdowns, alarmists and deniers and more protests. Thing is, they have all failed and the people are discouraged from wasting their time. The Russian and French revolutions are indicative of what it takes. Severe hardship and a government that actually tells you they don't care. But eventually, the people see the boy who cried wolf in reverse. But until they are starving, freezing, etc., they won't revolt. An interesting take, and I'm sure a take that is shared by many. Um, Protest completely useless, completely ineffectual, total waste of your time. There is no point. Do not do it. Unless it's a French or Russian revolution. Although, how did those revolutions turn out? (laughs) I Might want to turn the page on the history book there. But anyway, point taken. A lot of people share that sentiment. Um, But... For whatever it's worth, there were Cor- Corbett Report uh, members in attendance there, and they did report about their attendance. For example, um, Hyper Simeon um, reported, "I'm in D.C. now for the rally. There's about a thousand people here. Nice sunny day to protest murder and enslavement." All right, good to hear. And the comment of the of the uh, the, the comment award goes to Hyper Simeon for, "I was wearing a Corbett Report shirt. I caught some eyes and got a few responses. Corbett is awesome." In which I replied, "Hell yeah, fist bump." Sunny, beautiful day. A lot of good speakers and information. One of my heroes, Ron Paul, spoke. It was a magical day for me. The positive energy was in the air. Hopefully we all absorbed enough to pass on to others. I know I did. So there you go. Did it? Did it solve war? Did it end all war? Well, no. No, it did not. But did it give some people encouragement and hopefully, uh, um, as hypersimmine says, absorb enough to pass on to others. That's an interesting way of putting it. Anyway, some different perspectives. Uh, Anyway, I guess if you go to the Rage Against the War Machine site now, apparently there's going to be some kind of defeat the deep state rally that they're going to hold in February. But I don't know the details of that. I reached out to both Angela and Nicholas for any sort of update or anything they wanted to share with you guys out there. And I didn't hear anything from either of them. So <laughs> I guess they don't like publicity or something. I don't know. Well, okay. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Number four solutions Watch this year was The Magic Words released on February 7th. Um, Now, you might recall this episode, maybe you don't, but it was the one in which I presented the idea that there are magic words that open up fields of research that uh, might otherwise be hidden in the search algorithms. And for example, if you search for chemtrails, you're probably going to get a lot of the fact-checker, debunker type of things, or wild, zany, zany-eyed theoretical stuff that isn't that interesting. But if you want to know about the real, actual information, look at something like stratospheric aerosol injection. And if you don't know those words, you don't know how to unlock the search bar to find um, certain aspects of the studies or research or what have you. The, the the sort of the secret key key code words that are used in order to unlock various research um, um avenues, shall we say. And on that note, there were a lot of people in the comments who were suggesting their own magic words as ways to unlock that. And there was a lot of interesting responses. But the comment award goes <laughs> to Rick McCarthy asking the real question. Uh, very difficult for the uninitiated to get going. At least we can help. More importantly, where do I get that conspiracy realist hat? Yes, asking the real question there. And the answer, for those who don't know, uh, Liberty Maniacs, libertymaniacs.com. Um, which you will remember from the "Wear Your Heart on Your Sleeve" edition of Solutions Watch from 2022, right? Anyway, um, but as I say, lots of interesting responses. Um, people suggesting various th- uh, things uh, to search. For example, Moongarden Garden um, writing gain of function research became directed evolution, but it's probably changed since the Project Veritas video. Um, Tetra Krypton writes a useful addition to any magic words would be scholarly articles, a sort of skeleton key to bypass the journalism and get straight to the meaty science of a subject. Try it alongside these on the notorious Goog. Well, if you have to use the Goog, the notorious G-O-O-G. Non-thermal EMR, applied behavioral psychology, fractional reserve banking. Okay, good idea there. Shaw.R, try tectonic weapon. which is quite quite relevant currently, from none other than Wikipedia. A tectonic weapon is a hypothetical device or system which could trigger earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, or other seismic events in specified locations by interfering with the Earth's natural geological processes. It's just hypothetical, guys. And, uh, for example, a Corp Report member Facundo Murciardi has an entire list of terms there that Again, I will invite you to go... All of these links to all of these episodes, by the way, will be in the show notes at 2023 Solutions, so you can find them all at a moment's notice and moment's click. Um, and finally, also, I got an email response about this one from Hillary, who wrote, um, a Huge help and shift have lassoed in my son and brother into the SAI stratospheric aerosol injection topic sparking lively emails on that topic. My brother is influential. It's so good what you've done. Thanks to you. All right. No, thanks to all of you guys out there for helping to spread and use this information. That is the key. It's not anything that I'm doing here. It's what you guys do with this information that matters. And so hats off to all of the Hilary's out there, (laughs) except Hillary Clinton. (laughs) I don't want that taken out of context. But people like Hillary here in this email who are using this information to help open those conversations. All right. Awesome. Okay. Moving along. Next edition of Solutions Watch was released on February 15th. It was called Building Community. And uh, as you might tell from that title, it was talking about the idea of how to build a community. Um, And that is a as deep a subject as you want it to be. And uh, there was a lot of information in there. I think I suggest people go back and rewatch that if they don't remember that episode. Um, because I talked, I, for example, I flashed back my, to my interview with Thomas Friedman many years ago about the Ozarks Neighborly Exchange and what that was doing in order to foster a community in a local area and getting people not just to sit around and talk about conspiracies, but to actually do projects and help each other with various things. I also talked about how that that yeah, organization has gone defunct in the meantime, which is a, a good thing to keep in mind. Sometimes community organizations, well, generally, they rely on the efforts of a single single person or a core group of people to keep them going and keep people motivated, and when those people leave, the whole thing falls apart. And or you get the types of drama and soap opera uh, community politics, as it were, that force things apart, or enthusiasm wanes, or what have you, doesn't mean that the whole thing was useless. It just means that it's good for a time in a certain way and with certain people. Anyway, um, if you want a realistic perspective of building communities, I would suggest you read Creating a Life Together, which I talked about and read some passages from in that edition of Solutions Watch. A very, very interesting and sober guide to how difficult it can be to create a real community. Um, that actually survives and thrives, and how most communities will fail um, at one point or another. I also talked to Miriam Gomez about the Conscious Agora project um, for creating a community, so you can find more information about that and links to that and etc. But there was a wide range of responses to this episode, as you would expect. For example, Corbett Report member Simro wrote, um, the reason I'm not really drawn to conscious communities, or whatever you want to call them, is that they become too rigid and joyless at least for a non-conformist soul like me. Not sure about communities that require hard work to get off the ground with a 90% failure rate. Perhaps the best communities are the ones that grow organically, so to speak. I'm quite content to doing my own permaculture thing on my land in in the country. If some good people drift by and want to get involved, cool. If not, that's okay too. All right. Different strokes for different folks. Um... And that in and of itself provoked some interesting responses, both for and against. For example, um, Court Report member S.C. Pat wrote, Nice episode, James. About a year ago, I moved from California to a fairly rural part of a deeply conservative state. In that state, there are lots of people that value individual liberty and are willing to fight fight for it. There are also lots of people who understand the trouble we're in and want to build community to do something about it. I've been able to form community quickly in this area, and the ideas from the computer screen have come to life. To me, this is the first step. Go somewhere that already has the foundational pieces necessary to build community. Rural, conservative areas have the ingredients necessary to quickly form meaningful community. The people in those areas value hard work, doing things yourself, not relying on the government, etc. I think you'll find it difficult to build a strong community in some concrete jungle where the people that live there, by the very fact that they're living there, are more disconnected from the values I mentioned above. Build on a strong foundation that already exists. All right. Some some interesting advice. And I, I think that at the very least draws people's attention to the idea that it is going to be very, very, very environment context dependent. And... Building a community in Japan is going to be a a completely different thing than building a community in the United States, let alone the difference between building a community in, I don't know, rural Alberta versus building a community in the heart of Toronto or something like that. There's going to be a wide, wide uh, range of communities that can actually come together. Anyway, lots, lots of interesting responses there, as you would expect in an episode like that. But comment... <laughs> the comment that really matters—the question of the uh, the, the comment thread—Insect in Pixel wrote, "Where can I get a no rulers hoodie?" <laughs> and the answer, once again, is LibertyManiacs.com. I am not sponsored by them in any way. I don't get a penny from even mentioning them. I'm just telling you where I get these cool clothes. Anyway, LibertyManiacs.com. The link will be in the show notes for this if you're that interested. All right, the next edition of Solutions Watch was Students Against Mandates, in which I talked to Lee Vossen and Sheldon Monroe, who I believe I got his name wrong in the (laughs) interview itself, but uh, Lee Vossen and Sheldon Monroe uh, uh, of Students Against Mandates, which is a specifically a Canadian organization operating in Canada, but about the idea of a student-led initiative to push back on the COVID authoritarianism and craziness and to make sure that that craziness is not instituted in these universities and is not propagated into the future for future crises. And um, they are still going. And uh, I just got this in from Lee and Sheldon about their efforts and where Students Against Mandates are right now.
2: Hello, everyone. This is Lian Sheldon from Students Against Mandates. Uh, We're here to just give a bit of an update as to what our organization has been up to and what's happening at university and college campuses in regards to mandates.
3: Yeah, so there's a lot going on right now. We've uh, many universities, over hundreds in, in North America alone, still have mandates in place. They're coming in various degrees. Um, and in different capacities, but uh, we're raising awareness as best we can about those uh, certain um, mandates, and, and getting people to come forward who can help to to share their stories and 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 um, and their struggles with with mandates that are still going on on campuses. So it's still very much a real issue.
2: Yeah, even down to you know student groups having and student unions having um, vaccine mandates for outdoor activities mm-hmm. for students. All the way to there's you know students who want to get into healthcare programs who cannot attend university because of those. Those vaccine mandates. So it's very much real, still happening and um, really disappointing that there's not more people talking about it. So that's what we're here to do. Uh, We've been coming up with really fantastic new um, episodes of the Students Against Mandates podcast coming um, that will be dropping in the new year. So you'll have to check that out. Uh, we have a lot of different platforms that you definitely should follow. YouTube's available, but if you want to see all of our content and it's not censored, you're going to have to head to Rumble, Spotify, um, there's Apple Podcasts. All those are available with our our, um, our episodes. So go check that out. Give us a follow. Uh, in addition, if you head to the Students Against Mandates website, that's students against uh, you'll get access to all of our links, our social medias. We have Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter um you can follow those all from there and learn more about the organization what we're doing maybe get involved as well
3: yeah your uh, participation would be really appreciated if you know any students uh, post-secondary students who are, are curious or um looking to to make a difference in this area then please uh, send them uh our way and we'd be happy to uh to to onboard them. That'd be really appreciated. Um, we also wanted to say uh, great work to, to James. You've been doing phenomenal uh, uh, content and it's been really fun to watch. And then we are hoping everyone has a, a happy holidays and Merry Christmas. And, uh, and we thank everyone here over here at SAM in Canada.
0: Thank you to Lee and Sheldon for that. And once again, studentsagainstmandates.ca if you wanna find all the links and find out how you can follow their work going forward in the future, or as they say, if you know any university students who might be interested in joining or getting involved with that organization, probably specifically in Canada, but they may have ideas for how to link you to your local area. Anyway, studentsagainstmandates.ca. The next edition of Solutions Watch was released on February 28th and consisted of my presentation to the uh, Lifestyles of Liberty webinar that was hosted by Richard Grove of Autonomy and um, People can watch the episode for more information about that. Essentially, my story of how I came to do something that I want to do that I think is hopefully probably the best use of my talents and resources and that, hey, I can actually make a living out of it thanks to the support of people out there. That's awesome. So how did, I, how did that happen? How did that come together? And how could something like that happen for you out there, whatever your interests are, whatever your resources and abilities and what have you? Um, Anyway, that was my contribution to that webinar, and again, a wide range of interesting comments and feedback. For example, Home Remedy Supply um, always has interesting insights and a good take, and here was his take on this one. He says, here's my take. During any life, uh, sorry, during my life, I can't read today, I've held over 100 different jobs and have tried over 100 different business ventures. Some jobs I loved, but some I hated. Some business ventures turned out well, and some were utter failures. In a broader sense, I was interested in the adventure of it all. I have no interest in pursuing a career as a freedom fighter, but I enjoy scuffling on that front. I've had and still have a lot of varied interests, some wax and wane. I think that this holds true for most Corbett Report members. Each of us has varied interests. The way I see it, if a person has a strong interest in something which aligns with values then maybe, just maybe, a person might come up with a bright idea of how to make it viably exchangeable. If it works, great. If not, well, you're not alone on having plans not turn out the way they were envisioned. A very realistic take from Home Remedy Supply and a good way of framing it and putting it in perspective. It doesn't have to be that your particular niche passion becomes your life, but hey, it certainly works well when that happens. At any rate, try it. Try different things. Try a hundred different business ventures and see what works. Um, and for people who don't know, Home Remedy Supply has been a, a long, 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 long time commenter on the Corbett Report website. And people might remember some of the stories he's related in the comments about some of those business ventures. And interestingly, what he's learned about human psychology, etc., from some of the business ventures. He has some great stories along those lines. So if you follow the Corbett Report comment section, you'll, you'll know about that. Um, but perhaps... Uh, Corporate report member Gendun Lama put it most simply, like Joseph Campbell said, if you want to succeed beyond your wildest dreams, follow your bliss. Well, in a sense, I suppose that is what I've done, I guess. Anyway, some food for thought. Okay, let's move on. The next edition of Solutions Watch was about nullification, in which I talked to Michael Bolden of the 10th Amendment Center about nullification. (laughs) and if you don't know what that is or what it's about, please do watch the episode. Uh, I had a lot of very positive feedback about that. A lot of people were very, very, very interested in that particular episode and in the Tenth Amendment Center, and I heard a lot of positive things about that, but I also got Michael Bolden himself to come back with an update about what's going on with the Tenth Amendment Center and, more importantly, nullification.
4: Hi, James. And hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me be a part of Solutions Watch for 2023. I absolutely love the show. Because it's about doing more than just complaining about all the problems we face. And what we learn from the founders and the old revolutionaries is the strategy of how to stop government when government refuses to follow the rules 24-7-365. And the most important thing to keep in mind when considering their strategy is that when the federal government does stuff that the federal government isn't authorized to do, the people in the states have to take action were supposed to, on a state, local, and individual level, refuse to comply, opt out, and nullify. Roger Sherman said all acts of the Congress not warranted by the Constitution would be void— nor could they be enforced contrary to a sense of a majority of the states. James Madison in Federalist 46 said states and individuals should refuse to cooperate with officers of the union. And that's what James Iredell, one of the first associate justices nominated by George Washington, he said the only resource against usurpation is the inherent right of the people to prevent its exercise. So as we go into what we call nullification season for 2024, we're going to see a ton of bills introduced this year to refuse to comply, opt out, and much more. For example, Indiana and Florida have already passed laws just in 2023 to expressly say that a CBDC is not money, creating a roadblock to implementing in those states. Similar bills should be filed in at least 10 to 12 states around the country. Five states now treat gold and silver as money, as they always should have been, rather than as a mere investment vehicle to be taxed by government. And we could see the same pass in Missouri, and it'll be introduced in another half a dozen states or so. New Hampshire has a really interesting bill that would ban the state and all its political subdivisions from participating in the enforcement of or collaboration with the enforcement of any requirements, mandates, recommendations, instructions, or guidance provided by either the CDC or the WHO. And we'll be monitoring over at uh, 10thamendmentcenter.com plenty of more legislation on things like the war on drugs, civil asset forfeiture, warrantless surveillance, and the Defend the Guard Act banning the use of state guard troops in active-duty combat without a declaration of war from Congress. But ultimately, more important than all this legislation is that it gets down to the people, the people themselves. The states can pass all the bills they want, but if the people continue to comply with stuff that shouldn't exist, there's nothing to nullify, there's nothing to enforce, and the state legislation does nothing. Thank you so much for having me be a part of Solutions Watch for 2023 and let's advance more liberty in 2024.
0: Okay, excellent. A very informative update from Michael Bolden of the Tenth Amendment Center. And I did promise I would pronounce his name correctly this time, because you might remember I called him Boldrin a number of times in that conversation. It's Michael Bolden. But more importantly, it's 10thamendmentcenter.com if you want more details, as they are continuing, obviously, to cover nullification and facial recognition, as we'll get into in many other things besides. So, um, 10thamendmentcenter.com if you want more information on that topic. All right, moving right along. The Speaking of deep dive in a lot of information, uh, the next edition of Solutions Watch was also a data dump. It was called Decentralized Communication, and it was talking about the possibility of networks, platforms, protocols, and other decentralized communication ideas that are popping up in the whatever, Web 3.0 revolution or whatever you want to call it, different ways of connecting with other people that are less prone to the censorship of the middleman social media, big tech that we have come to know and love over all these years, right? Haha. <laughs> um, so you might recall that I was talking in that episode about Quartal.org, about Bastion.com, about the Noster Protocol, about how Minds.com has adopted the Noster Pro- Protocol. As I say, a ton of information If you're interested in this subject, that would be a good place to start, but of course, not to finish your exploration of those ideas. But having said that, I did get an update um, about some of these ideas. For example, I have this from Daniel about bastion.com.
5: Bastion is a decentralized and open source social network. In addition to that, it can be called a censorship resistant social network. What do all these words mean? They're thrown around quite a lot these days. Decentralized, meaning that Bastion is built on a platform that doesn't have any central servers. Bastion is built like Bitcoin. It resides on different nodes and all of these computers are equal. So any user spins up a computer and it has just as much authority in the system as the other computer. This is what decentralized means. What does open source mean? Open-sourced, it means that the code for Bastion is out in the public domain. Anybody can examine it. So shadow banning or any kind of shady practices like that are simply not possible. Uh, The other important aspect of decentralization is the fact that Bastion is not corporate. Non-corporate means there's no shareholders, there's no central office, there's no board of directors. Uh, there's nothing that that distinguishes a corporation, and a corporation usually usually is very easy to control or bring to heel. Mm-hmm. I also said that it's censorship resistant. What does that even mean? Well, first of all, the first aspect of censorship resistance is closely tied to decentralization because there's not a single server that you shut down. Even if Bastion is shut down in certain countries, nodes in other countries will work around the world, allowing people to still use Bastion. And also there's very important aspect of this. There's something called the desktop application. You're looking at it right here. This desktop app is a Bastion application on the computer. It is not a website. So if a website is shut down or throttled in any way, desktop application is your window into the real world of Bastion. Why? Because the desktop app will connect directly to the nodes around the world and you bypass many kind, many types of censorship. The team of developers, uh, the team of developers has recently included Tor protocol that is built into the software. Tor gives you ability to overcome many, any other kinds of blocks. It also gives you additional layer and anonymity of anonymity. Now Bastion has been growing leaps and bounds. Here I have statistics for Bastion over the last three months. Now look at the activity. This actually, this chart measures activity. If I point to a certain Um, uh, A point in time, you see that there are different types of transactions, like post, uh, video, article, comments. And you can see very clearly see the growth here. Not only there are more people, but they're getting much more active. So if we look at some point like five months ago, the daily number of um, comments is something like 4,500 comments total uh, and 1,843 posts in a day. If you look at something that's recent last day, uh, 15 December 15th. There are 7,900 comments and 26,40 posts. So you can see clearly that the network is growing, and I think this is really amazing. Uh, without bankster financing, without the centralized structure, without a marketing department, the Bastion continues to grow.
0: Indeed. Well, that was uh, Daniel Sachkov of Bastion.com. That's B-A-S-T-Y-O-N.com for the audio listeners out there. I also got an update from Jason Crow of the Quartal Project, which is Q-O-R-T-A-L, which if you watched that episode, you will know is a an idea for a completely independent digital infrastructure for communication and completely trustless system that you can find the, the website front end uh, uh, for more information on the internet as we know it at Quartal.org. I, I got this update from Jason Crow.
6: Hey guys, it's Croetic. I was asked by James Corbett to do an update on the Quartal project. So we had done a video about a year ago for James' Solution Watch series, and we covered the Quartal project. And what we have done in this last year is nothing short of incredible. We have done so many updates that I figured it would be easier if I just showed you. So what I've got here open behind me is the portal UI and I'm going to go ahead and log into an account that I created for this purpose and we'll show you some of the changes that have been made as you can see now when you open the portal UI it takes you to what's called the new tab page this is similar to the new tab page in a browser and as you can see you can now open multiple tabs in the Quotl UI when previously we had just this bar or the sidebar here open all the time, and you could only have one thing open at a time. So you could only have QChat open, or you could have wallets open, but you could not have both of them open at the same time, which now you can. There have been significant improvements to QChat, there have been many improvements to the wallets, but more exciting, we have now launched. Qtube, which is a video publishing and sharing and playing platform. We have launched Qshop, which is the ability for you as a user to come in and create a shop and sell goods and services for Quartz. And now we are also testing the addition of Pirate Chain to Qshop as well. Um, we have also launched Ear Bump, which is a Spotify, basically Spotify replacement. All of these things and everything else on Quartal is all done with no server, no DNS, no domains, no middleman whatsoever, right? So we now have demos of a ton of different functionality. If you had previously had any issues with Quartal, and maybe decided to to check back later, it might be a good time now to check back. Um, We have also added here, you can see the status of the core is now in the UI. The Cordal Core has gotten a ton of updates. We have massively improved scaling, performance, and now our block times are even back to one confirmation being all you need which means that within 60 to 75 seconds, any transaction that you make on the Cordal network will be confirmed and the coin in that transaction or anything that happened in that transaction will be usable within that next block. So, if you had any issues before with Quartal, I highly suggest checking it out again.
0: Now, obviously, there's a lot more than can possibly be Uh, encapsulated in short summaries like this um, that have happened with Bastion.com or with Quartal.org. For example, QMail and uh, the Quartal Trading Portal and uh, Quartal Blog and all sorts of other developments have taken place in the meantime. So uh, as Daniel and Jason advise, check. If you haven't checked in a while, check again. There's a lot of new updates to these. And of course, once again, the links will be in the show notes for that episode of Solutions Watch. But moving right along, let's move on to the next edition of Solutions Watch, which was released on March 21st and featured Ellen Brown, um, in which we talked to Ellen Brown, who uh, you should know is the author of books like The Web of Debt and Banking on the People, Democratizing Money in the Digital Age. We talked to her about her then-latest article on the bank-run crisis that was uh, afflicting the U.S. banking um, sector at that time that was leading us towards that event horizon of the quadrillion dollar derivative black hole. And so we uh, we talked about the public banking solution to this crisis and and other aspects of what was really going on there. And she, uh, I reached out to Ellen Brown and she provided this summary um, for what's happening in December of 2023 and where we're at right now. She writes, while mainstream commentators claim that the Western banking system is strong, Many alternative commentators are predicting its imminent collapse, either from collapse of the quadrillion-dollar derivatives bubble, from war, from competition, from the alternative financial system being developed by the BRICS nations in the global south, or from a massive cybersecurity attack. Uh, David Webb shows in The Great Taking that when the lights come back on, we may indeed own nothing, as the World Economic Forum predicts. Laws and regulations are now in place to allow the protected class notably the repo and derivative claimants, to own it all. To protect against that eventuality, the ideal would be local community currency systems in which people are the sovereign creators of their own currencies. Historically, this has been done with paper script, but crypto systems are now in place that can make that sort of currency wide-reaching while still being cyber-attack-proof and privacy-protected. Holochain is one crypto option that is protected against cyberattacks. It's a decentralized, distributed internet that is not tied to the current web hosting model, a peer-to-peer currency in which only the user's data would be compromised, not the whole system, in the event of attack. Zero-knowledge-proof technology allows holders to conceal their identities and to reveal only the information needed for the transaction without access to such things as medical records, social media, and email accounts. Crypto exchanges allow exchange of crypto community currencies globally. Two possibilities are the community exchange system and Bancor. What should back the currency? Apples for oranges is a simple barter system. Gold and Bitcoin as financial intermediaries are also basically barter systems. Apples for gold or Bitcoin for oranges. But they aren't expandable, and we need an expandable currency to keep up with productivity. The old 18th and 19th century system of real bills still has merit. The currency represents a promise to pay in the future from the productivity facilitated by the investment. Monetizing our future productivity is the ideal sovereign credit system, limited to actual production rather than speculative money-making profits. Money-making money profits. As long as the current banking edifice remains intact, however, public banks are an ideal option for giving the people collective control over the system, Banks owned by local governments can create money as loans, as all banks do, but they are mandated to serve the public interest rather than the short-term profits of private shareholders. The budget gap could be closed, and every other tax could be eliminated by imposing a tax of a mere 0.1% on financial transactions, the $8 quadrillion global engine of speculative trade. Ellen Brown, chair, Public Banking Institute. All right. All right. Um, once again, please see the comments for that episode for a wide variety of te- takes from the Corbett Report member community about some of those ideas that uh, Ellen Brown was discussing in that episode. But let's move on to another extremely important topic. On March 29th, I talked to Bruce Levine about finding mental health. And specifically, we were talking in the context of Bruce, Bruce's latest and then recent book, a Profession Without Reason, in which he was talking about alternative ways of exploring that concept of psychological health and finding mental health, and how maybe the just simply prescribing another drug is not necessarily the way of achieving that mental health. Um, we talked uh, at great length about that in, in some degree of depth, um, but I did reach, reach out to Bruce, who did provide this Summary in response about that episode and what we talked about, he said, The reaction from many people to a profession without reason is that it has helped explain to them why their psychiatric treatment has been ineffective or even counterproductive and what is actually helpful. One chapter that has drawn much interest is called Fear, which describes how Spinoza, 350 years ago, and many observers since then, have recognized that fear makes us irrational and even violent. The problem is that most psychiatrists and other mental health professionals routinely practice with legal and professional fears, and this fuels them uh, to become control freaks seeking illusory control with unscientific diagnoses and numbing treatments that often make matters worse. Furthermore, psychiatrists and other professionals are often dishonest about their fear, and this inauthenticity can create even more anxiety for already emotionally suffering people. So what's helpful? Curiosity and compassion. The problem is that one is afraid, which is the case for many professionals. One cannot, if one is afraid, one cannot be curious and compassionate. The root of much of our emotional suffering, including anxiety, depression, and substance abuse, is trauma, which requires healing. And only therapists without fear, who are curious and compassionate, can help the healing process. Emotional suffering often results in self-absorption, And professionals often exacerbate that self-absorption by a symptom control focus, absent of curiosity and compassion. In contrast, experiencing curiosity and compassion can naturally result in becoming less self-absorbed, having curiosity and compassion for others, and connecting with others and the world. To put it simply, fear-based psychiatry often takes emotional suffering patients who have been self-absorbed about their suffering and makes them even more self-absorbed, creating even more suffering. In contrast, helpers without fear who are curious and compassionate can help emotionally suffering people transcend their self-absorption, connect with others and the rest of life, and begin to experience joy and vitality. All right, thank you for that response, Bruce. And for people who are interested, check out that conversation. And in that conversation, of course, you will find in those show notes for that edition of Solutions Watch, the link to to a profession without reason, and some of the organizations that we were talking about that are exploring these alternative ways of finding mental health. Um, all right, lots to say about that topic, but let's move right along. We are we are not even halfway through, guys. We're about a third of the way through. Woo. <laughs> let's keep going. On April 12th, I released Meeting People is Easy, this edition of Solutions Watch, building on that building community, edition of Solutions Watch, talking about, okay, well, yeah, building community. But how do you you start meeting like-minded people at all, let alone building a community with them? Because let's not put the cart before the horse. Yeah, you have to know some people that you know and trust and can meet with and have some degree of like-mind on certain key subjects, whatever your particular lines in the sand and litmus testament might be. So how do you find that community? And we talked about a number of different methods of that and different organizations and ideas and talked about all sorts of things. Uh, Campfire Properties and and Woofing and um, Freedom Cells and Preppernet and LocalResistance.org and and P-A-Z-N-I-A and all of these, uh, Stand in the Park, all of these different ideas for meeting people. And there were a lot of responses from people in the crowd. For example, Corporate Report member Tony wrote, there are those of us who have already detached from the Matrix and are organically growing community through word of mouth, etc. Think about the distinction between going viral versus growing organically. I think that distinction should be obvious. To me, staying below the radar makes so much more sense. Let the grassroots efforts, though they be many, stay under the radar until there are so many independent entities that striking each one in turn would be problematic for the opposition. Keep up the good work. You are my number one go-to besides my higher self. All right. Thank you for that, Tony. Or we had this uh, from Pistoff. <laughs> Corporate report member Pissed Off, Pistoff, P-I-S-T-O-F-F, um, who writes, localresistance.org provides a safe, anonymous search tool to connect neighbors and initiate local resistance. By linking locally, we can find strength and support. We can communicate, coordinate, educate, and resist. Here we provide a searchable database to easily locate neighbors in your own city or town who share your concerns and who are willing to stand together and press for truth locally. To protect your safety and privacy, you are not required to provide your real name to the database. If you're comfortable doing so later with the people you connect with, that is your choice. Your level of involvement is totally up to you. You can talk privately here using our anonymous email system until you are comfortable with meeting in person. Then you can work with others to establish working groups, organize events, anything is possible. No one will know your real name or see your email address unless you give it to them. Your privacy is absolute. LocalResistance.org is just a search tool, not a community group. User interests and beliefs don't have to align with those of any other organization. There is no administrative hierarchy to restrain or approve you. Users form their own local groups independently based upon their shared concerns. LocalResistance.org exists solely to coordinate communications and establish partnerships. It has no other agenda of its own. Anyway, an extended advertisement for LocalResistance.org. As always, the caveat, I'm not personally promoting anything here. Your mileage may vary. I'm not. This doesn't have the Corbett seal of approval. I'm just writing what uh, Corbett Report member Pistoff wrote there. Um, so take that on board and come to your own conclusions. And finally, Home Remedy Supply with the real question on everyone's mind. Side note, thinking out loud, the libertarian drinks segment had me thinking. I wonder if that pub in Ireland, which kicked out James Corbett, still has that prohibition in effect. If it does, James must ha- uh, must have really created an impression. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that, uh, Home Remedy supply. I can tell you, I'm pretty sure they don't. Um, I haven't been for, I don't know, 18 years now. So, (laughs) well, I I guess maybe, but uh, I do recall that I went back later to, in order to get the shirt that I wore in which I told that story. So I'm pretty sure they didn't remember me after my banning. I wonder if anyone in the crowd remembers that story. Anyway, that's a long time ago that I told that. I did get asked about that, I think, at um, maybe at Anarchapoco 2020. I think someone brought that up. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> I remember that story from decades ago. <laughs> anyway, now that we've lost uh, the casual listen- listeners, let's move on to the next edition of Solutions Watch, the National Citizens Inquiry, which you will recall, no doubt, was a an initiative put together in Canada um, that was not government official approved... Commission, but was a real deal commission with real commissioners holding real hearings and lots and lots of testimony by many people um, from across Canada about the COVID craziness and how all of that affected them. Um, some really truly harrowing testimony that we saw some examples of in that edition of Solutions Watch from people who had been injured by the uh, the medical in- in- interventions and injections, etc. All of the craziness that resulted, the lockdowns and people being arrested and all of that kind of stuff. Um, a really valuable um, tool even in and of itself, just for the testimony itself. But of course it was a commission. And as we were indicating in that edition of Solutions Watch, um, yes, it was a commission that was ongoing. I ended up presenting my own testimony to that commission, which was released separately as a podcast. And I hope I hope you did listen to that. I think it was a, a really good, summary. And if I do say so myself, it was the best I could do in that time to present the information that I did. Well, newsflash update, December 2023 called. And yes, the commissioner's final report was released just a few weeks ago, just in late November, along with a summary report and a transcript of all witness testimony, including my own. And There is a ton of information in there. I will link up all of that in the show notes here at CorbettReport.com slash 2023Solutions so that you can go and peruse those reports for yourself. But specifically, page 197 and forward of the Commissioner's Summary, you can find some of the... A reflection of some of the testimony that I gave about the WHO and uh, and what its machinations and their recommendations on that, including um, talking about pandemic convention, the NCI, the the National. Um, Citizens' Inquiry, recommend, recommends that Canada register immediate reservation against the pandemic convention and the amendments to the international health regulations once they are put forth by the WHO to allow time for proper consideration of the initiatives and their potential impact on Canada. At the same time, Canada should conduct a public inquiry and consultation into the benefits and risks of both its current obligations under the WHO and and the proposed pandemic convention, and proposed amendments to the international health regulations. There's many, many, many other recommendations and other things besides in that report. Again, this does not have the force of law and government teeth behind it, but it is an incredibly important part of the building of this global movement pushback against the WHO, which I had cause to note um, recently on the podcast, in case you missed it. But For a general summary and update, I did reach out to uh, Michelle Leduc catlin who you will recall I did interview uh, in that edition of Solutions Watch, and she had this to say.
7: Hello, and thank you for having me back. The National Citizens' Inquiry started out with a singular goal, to inquire into the impact of unprecedented policies during the COVID crisis. Since the government was unwilling to ask why three out of four Canadians felt they'd been harmed by the mandates, a group of citizens put aside partisan politics and preconceived ideas to hold their own first ever citizen-led, citizen-funded inquiry. And in the spring of 2023, over 300 expert and lay witnesses gave over 200 hours of sworn testimony during 24 hearing days in eight cities across the country. Unfortunately, not one of the 63 government officials summoned to testify chose to speak to Canadians and explain their reasoning or justify their actions. But with the world's largest body of COVID mandate evidence now gathered, a panel of four independent commissioners spent months poring over testimony and documents, distilling it all into a comprehensive report with over 400 recommendations including institutional reforms, investigations, the defunding of the CBC, and an immediate halt to the so-called COVID vaccines. This report can now be accessed and used by anyone around the world by going to nationalcitizensinquiry.ca and clicking on Commissioner's Report. This historic resource totals over 5,000 pages if you include the witness transcripts but you can just read the executive summary for everything you need and then go to the Take Action tab and share it. This report is what the commission chair calls a toolbox for Canadians, and is in fact a toolbox and a template for people everywhere. The NCI has fulfilled on its mission to listen, learn, and recommend. But we've also created a new muscle to exercise democracy. And I believe the NCI has done something else. It has helped shift the zeitgeist and maybe even the narrative. A year ago, most of us were afraid, divided and suspicious. Today, we are emboldened and empowered by our collective commitment to the truth and by what we've accomplished as ordinary citizens. Wherever you live, I encourage you to use this toolbox and join the movement towards truth and justice. And as we said in the beginning, history is calling. For the NCI, I'm Michelle Leduc catlin
0: Excellent, thank you for that update, Michelle. And for people who are interested, nationalcitizensinquiry.ca for all of the latest information and to read the report for yourself. Moving right along, uh, the next week, uh, May 2nd, I released Testing and Filtering Your Water, edition of Solutions Watch, in which I talked to Andrew Hoffman, one half of the Revelations Radio News podcasting team, about his current job, uh, selling uh, equipment for testing and filtering your water. And we talked about that incredibly important, but very simple um, in a certain sense, something that you can take into your own hands and at least for you and your household, get sorted out. You can find out what is in your water and actually get it filtered. So we talked about that, that concept, why it's important, some of the things that people know to look for in water and be concerned about, and some of the things that people don't know, etc. Again, an informative episode. And I reached out to Andrew for an update about his work and how it's going and uh, the concept of filtering your water, all of that. And this is the response that I received.
8: Hello to all the Corbettiers out there. This is Andrew Hoffman of the Revelations Radio News podcast and of a recent Solutions Watch episode on filtering and testing your water. Uh, just a quick update. Uh, thanks to those of you that reached out, met some great people. Uh, actually, just had lunch the other day with Craig in, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Had some lunch at Smoke and Joe's Stilly up there in Stillwater, so. Shout out to Craig and, uh, to the other people that I met and James, I did meet, um, I did talk to, to one person in particular, who our solutions watch episode was the first time she had ever seen anything Corbett report related. So that was a surprise to me. Uh, but it was, you know, everyone jumps in somewhere. So I I told her there's plenty more where that came from. So, so as far as, water goes, it's still bad. Uh, you should still get it checked out. Uh, ewg.org has a new edition where they are tracking the, uh, PFAS content. They did some recent, uh, forever chemical testing. So you can see if any of that was found in your area. And if you are in Oklahoma or Southern Kansas and would like me to come by, and test your water and talk about the Corbett report with you. I'd be happy to do that. And um, yeah, do do it soon. We are, you know, we're going into 2024. So we'll do a 24% off for anyone who calls me directly and sets it up through this episode. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for the update, Andrew. And thank you for rocking the Media Monarchy t shirt at the New World Next Week store, and thank you for discussing Corbett with your customers. And hey, someone discovered the Corbett report through a conversation? Awesome. And perhaps more importantly, thank you for helping people find out and filter their water. So again, if you live in that Oklahoma, Kansas area, and you're interested in taking them up on that 24% offer, you can contact Andrew directly at 405 531 2784, or you can email him at Andrew Hoffman 17761776 at proton.me. All right, excellent. Moving right along. Um, May 8th, I released A Better Way edition of Solutions Watch, in which... Uh, we talked about the Better Way conference put on by the World Council for Health. And I talked to Dr. Tess Laurie about that conference and who it was going to be featuring, etc. Well, update from the end of 2023. Yes, I did attend the Better Way conference there in the UK in person, in the flesh, and got to meet a lot of people and even met some people who became subsequent guests on the Solutions Watch program, for example, Ramiro Romani and many others besides. And it was a, a Good conference all around. But if you want to check out the fruits of that conference from the Corbett Report perspective very specifically anyway, of course, you can go to episode 446 on finding the better way in which you can see my presentations that I made to that conference. Um, Or you can check out the Better Way conference website for more for all of the all of the various speakers and um, presentations, etc. Anyway, um, moving right along, May 16th. There was a thwarting facial recognition edition of Solutions Watch in which I talked to Michael Meharry, also of the 10th Amendment Center, like Michael Bolden. Um, We talked about the various initiatives, um, legislative and otherwise, for pushback against facial recognition technologies going up and being used by uh, governments and police, etc., and some of the successes of those movements. I did reach out to Michael Meharry for feedback and updates, Um, did not hear back from him, but at any rate like with Michael Bolton. Of course, you can go to 10thamendmentcenter.com and Michael Meharry is still blogging and talking about these subjects, so I'm sure there's a lot of information that you can glean there. On June 28th, I released the Laughing at Tyrants edition of Solutions Watch, which should not be a new idea to corporate report listeners. You'll remember I had a podcast episode about that. I used to sell a DVD of some of my comedy videos back in the day about laughing at tyrants. So it was a good, fun episode of funny, relatable material, the kind of stuff that you could even send to some of your normie friends and they may even get a chuckle out of it. And I, you'll remember I talked to Benny Wills, of course, for example, talking about his work with Joy Camp and the idea of using humor. And you will also remember that I talked to Mike Thorne and Peter Anthony Swan of the Day Job Orchestra about their work and the incredible, incredibly funny work that they've done over the years um, on truth-related subjects and other such stuff besides music related projects and others and unfortunately for such a funny and fun and lighthearted episode i have some incredibly sad information to relate Um, the saddest information that you can relate i'm afraid to say that just in the past couple of months peter anthony swan one half of the day job orchestra passed away and so i have uh for example the obituary here that i can read to you um peter anthony swan passed away unexpectedly at his home in aurora on September 12, 2023, in his 59th year. Beloved brother of Antonia, Smudge, Swan, David Clipperton of Toronto, um, predeceased by his loving parents, Anthony and Anne, uh, Pete was an accomplished music producer, mixing engineer, multi instrumentalist, including guitar shredder extraordinaire, composer, lyricist, teacher, writer, arranger, video creator, comedian, animator, philosopher, and political activist. He was a one of a kind human who lived and breathed what he loved like no one else, music. He was fiercely independent, intellectual, warm, and extremely modest. He was the best brother a sister could ask for. And uh, there was a memorial service in his memory on Friday, October 13th um, that was held at the Aurora Legion branch. And our arrangements entrusted to Peaceful Transition York and condolences may be forwarded through www.peacefultransition.ca. Flowers may be received at Peaceful Transition York and all donations made directly to the Heart and Stroke Foundation of Canada www.heartandstroke.ca. Incredibly sad information and I did reach out obviously to Mike Thorne and he supplied this video in in memory of Peter Anthony Swan. Hello friends,
9: Mike Thorne here from Day Job Orchestra. It is with a heavy heart that I announce the passing of a truly remarkable individual, Mr. Pete Swan. Anybody that knew him could tell you that he was the best guitarist around, hilarious, insanely intelligent, and that they loved him dearly. He was a bandmate, mentor, comedian, philosopher, truther, and one of my best friends on the planet. Besides being one half of Day Job Orchestra, a comedy duo that overdubs videos, Pete started ThoughtCrime7 and started making truth videos. His documentaries and music videos are excellent. He was the smartest man I knew, and he never stopped learning. His work continues to educate and inspire those who seek the truth. Check out ThoughtCrime7, Firehead, and Dayjob Orchestra to see and hear his amazing work. He will be truly
10: missed. So that's it for this uh, guitar clinic. Uh, Next week, how to kick your mom out of the band.
0: My sincere condolences to the Swan family and to Mike Thorne and all of his friends. Um, We lost a fighter for truth. But anyway, we do have... His work and his legacy, and I hope people will check out that edition of Solutions Watch for the link to the Thought Crime 7 channel, etc., where you can see the work that Pete did during his very productive life. All right, moving on, we have July 6th. I released Stop Buying Their Crap, an edition of Solutions Watch in which I talked about the boycott side of the boycotts and boycotts idea that I've. Sorry, the boycott side of the boycott, and boycott. <laughs> I'm getting myself confused. Uh, the um, uh, ideas that I've talked about in the past. And there was a lot of lively debate on this one in the comment section from every perspective, including Corbett Report member Inisfad, who wrote, using the Palestinian situation as, a, as an example of stop buying their crap is disingenuous. Perhaps if the Palestinians had not decided Hamas should be their representative government, dot, 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 an organization whose original charter called for the deaths of all Jews worldwide, things might have been different. The Israeli-slash-Apartheid-slash-Palestinian situation has little to do with a personal boycott, considering that every example given in this program is all about the sanctions, which James questioned, rather than the B or the D, the boycott or the divestment. If, as BDS states, they are against discrimination of anyone, including Jews, does BDS sanction Hamas? somehow I find that unlikely. The Israeli slash Jewish slash Palestinian situation is far more complex due to its history than deciding not to drink Bud Light. Which, to be fair to myself, was obviously not what I was saying, but (laughs) at any rate Yes, I understand. I understand the way the perspective that's coming from, and obviously that generated all sorts of discussion in the comments thread about Christians and Jews and abortion and genocide and all sorts of things. But all of that feedback did leave me wondering if we were still talking about boycotts and that concept and how it can be applied to changing things in the real world. Whatever it is that you believe. If you're against Hamas, sure. Boycott Hamas? Well, anyway, it could be applied to a number of different situations. And that was what that idea, the kernel of the idea that that episode was about. Obviously, it was touching on the touch. Hot button issue, uh, which has only become more hot button in the latter half of 2023. Anyway, um, but let's uh, let's also note D May corporate report member D May, who does bring up a very good point about the inescapability of the corporatocracy. Uh, fun fact: Modelo, which surpassed Bud Light as uh, during the Bud Light boycott, is still An- Anheuser Anheuser Bush. I don't know how to pronounce that even. People who boycott Bud Light and buy Modelo are hurting the brand but not the company. Also, based on the corporate response we've seen, they either see a few companies going bankrupt as acceptable lo- losses in the ESG war, or they are actively trying to destroy iconic U.S. businesses brands. Well, there you go. Another perspective and something to keep in mind. Yeah, if you're just going to buy a different form of crap from another co- or even the same corporation, that's probably not an effective boycott, right? Yeah, I think people have to Use that technique smarter, not harder. Anyway, all of that being said, and lots of discussion in the comments that I will leave you to peruse at your own time, in your own time. But uh, let's move on to the next edition of Solutions Watch, which was How and When and Why to Cite Your Sources, which is a more important episode than it sounds. I know that's a title that will put off most people, but I think it was a very important episode. Um, And user Zix7 has a lengthy comment thread in the comments there discussing Reddit and censorship and people not reading past headlines and peer-reviewed science, etc., etc. Lots of information in there. And on the subject of people who are just asking for sources as a type of tactic, um, Jason Carswell um, supplied the term sea lioning, which I had heard before, but I'm glad he brought that up and brought it back to my mind so that I could use that in a later episode, as we'll see. But overall... Uh, I would say this is one of those episodes that probably a lot of people just skipped over. But you shouldn't. And if you did, go back and watch it. I think there's a lot of important information in there. All right, the next edition of Solutions Watch came in August, August 2nd, The Self-Reliant Way, in which I talked to Benny Wills about his new course on The Self-Reliant Way, helping young men to find their path in life and to become men and to step up and take responsibility and and form a path through life, um, a pretty tall order, a very tall order, in fact. So how, how has that course gone? How is it going? Um, what feedback can we get from that? Well, let's, let's ask ben- Benny himself. Hey, everybody, Benny
10: here, giving you a quick update on my men's coaching program, The Self-Reliant Way. First of all, thank you, James, for giving me the opportunity to speak about it back in August. It's been going incredibly well. Uh, exceptionally well, even. The results are in. There are now graduates of the program, and the testimonials have been amazing. And yeah, I feel like I've hit the nail on the head with this program. I'm helping rabbit hole dwellers, contrarians, nonconformists, people who think alternatively, get excited about life again, live with purpose, because this world needs strong men, and I'm helping men become the best versions of themselves. If you're interested, go to BennyWills.com, sign up for a call with me to see if it's a good fit and start the new year off with a bang. In other news, we did have our third son. I am now a father of three boys, three and under, and wow, I never would have predicted this would be my life, but here we are. Um, That's it. Check out this quick testimonial from a recent graduate to hear how the program helped him because maybe it could help you in a similar way. All right, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Benny changed my life by helping me conquer myself. Benny helped me become self-reliant. Benny helped me self-actualize my full potential as a human being. Benny helped me realize who I was, who I didn't want to be, and who I wanted to become.
0: All right, awesome. Benny Wills, BennyWills.com, in case you didn't know, and uh, at... I hear that him and his wife, he they just welcomed a new boy into the world, their third son. So, awesome. Congratulations to Benny and his wife. And uh, if you're interested, BennyWills.com. All right, the next edition of Solutions Watch was on the Dutch School of Understanding with a longtime old friend of the podcast, Cheered Andringa, formerly of the University of Groningen. And we talked about that transition from not being at the University of Groningen anymore or question mark or at any rate the various developments in his professional career and the development of what was then called the School of Understanding. Um, they're in Groningen in the Netherlands and there are some updates to that project including a name change and other things. I did reach out to Cheerd and he did provide this video summary.
11: This is an update for the School of Understanding. Well the big news is that the School of Understanding is no more. It is now Worldview Masterclass, and it's all up and running, and goes really well. And you can find it at www.worldviewmasterclass.com. Enrollment is open for the next year, starting in September. And this is on-site education in Groningen, one day in a week with homework for maximally 12 students. I am busy with a group of people developing Nova Academia where student development meets academic freedom. It will be a complete university, Uh, but we will grow that very, very carefully. The plans of Nova Academia is to gradually develop into a full university. So this year we have already started with mentorship programs. That is primarily online and we are searching for research capable critical thinkers who are willing to work with academics and uh, other mentors uh, of our group. Then, starting in September, we will start a one year program, master level social science program on campus with about 50 to 150 students and one to three different streams uh, of education with part time academics. And then, hopefully, in uh, September 25 or 26, we want to start with a real university growing to about 6,000 students and uh, with one FTE academic per 25 students and no bureaucrats. Also no accreditation. Well, Worldview Masterclass and Nova Academia share a goal. And the goal is maximal self-development of students go to worldviewmasterclass.com or novacad.org. Thank you for your attention.
0: All right. Thank you for that update. Cheered. And uh, for people who are interested, of course, the worldviewmasterclass.com website as well as the Nova Academia website at novacad.org will both be linked up in the show notes. And I think you'll be hearing about one or the other or maybe both of those in the new year. But more on that later. At any rate, uh, the next edition of Solutions Watch was Take Back Our Tech, talking to the aforementioned Ramiro Romani about Take Back Our Tech and its various initiatives, the Above Phone and other such things. I did reach out to Ramiro for any summary or feedback or updates and did not hear back from him, but you can go check out that edition of Solutions Watch for any uh, for the link to the Take Back Our Tech and to find out more information about what they're doing. Uh, the next edition of Solutions Watch, uh, I talked, um, in that case, it was about the concrete solution for Fukushima put forward by Dr. Robert H. Richmond, research professor and director at the koalo Marine Laboratory at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. And we talked about the Fukushima developments that took place in the latter half of this year, which, of course, have continued to go on, so I'm sure people who are interested, have been following that and the first releases. But as we say, this is a planned release uh, that's going to take decades to complete. And we would not expect to see the catastrophic results of this all at once. It's going to take over the course of decades to complete. So uh, at any rate, I did reach out to Robert. I did not hear back from him about any updates or any new information regarding any campaigns or projects he's involved with. But as I said before, you can go to that edition of Solutions Watch via the show notes of this edition of Solutions Watch to find out more information about that. The next edition of Solutions Watch, September 5th, White Rose Mucho Grande, in which I talked to Etienne de la Boite Squared um, and also a representative, Kenny Palarintano of the White Rose, about their effort uh, with the Mucho Grande project to um, provide visualizations of some of this information that could be hard to put into words, well, here are some ways to visualize it. We talked about that and I did reach out to Etienne for updates about those efforts and what's going on in regards to his book about government, the biggest scam in history, etc. And this is the summary that he provided.
12: Hi, Corbett Report audience. It's Etienne de la Boise, squared from the Art of Liberty Foundation coming to you from the high desert outside of Sedona, Arizona. James asked me to uh, shoot a quick segment uh, letting everybody know what happened since our last appearance on the Corbett Report for the launch of our free downloadable poster series, uh, The White Rose Mucho Grande, but I thought the more fascinating story is really what happened to us since our initial appearance on the Corbett Report in March of 2021, where I took the audience through my book, Government, the Biggest Scam in History Exposed, How Intergenerational Organized Crime Runs the government, the media, and academia. It was really my first uh, experience of what I like to call the Corbett bump. Uh, and that one, exp- that one appearance uh, physically crashed our web servers to the point of where we had to call our hosting company and turn up additional resources. We sold $37,000 worth of books to 22 countries in less than a month uh we sold out a four different print runs of books and what's kind of most exciting is a lot of uh, the viewers and listeners bought low-cost bulk copies that we call friends bundles for their friends their families and colleagues and as those books began to land around the world uh, it triggered a kind of uh, uh, another wave of sales as uh, those people bought additional bulk copies for their friends, family, and colleagues, and that dynamic continued getting a little bit smaller each month for another four months. But really, the most exciting thing is is that one appearance on the Corbett Report really launched us as a startup, voluntarist, public policy organization exposing the illegitimacy and the criminality of government. We just published our annual report at artofliberty.org, and I wanted to just kind of take the audience through some of the metrics where we shot out the lights in every conceivable, uh, way. Total books and products sold up li- online up 25%. Visitors to government scam.com up 26.4%. Foundation total revenue up 27%. Copies of Government, the biggest scam in history exposed up 28%. New bookstore customers up 37.9%. Book sales revenue up 40.4%. Visitors to artofliberty.org up 56%. Conferences and events we participate in up 133%. Media and podcast appearances up 263%. And growth of our uh, subscribers to our house email list up 1300% since we appeared on the Corbett Report. We could not have done this without James and Brock and the listeners and viewers of the Corbett report, so I'm very excited to have this opportunity to say thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart, uh, from from each and every one of us at the Art of Liberty Foundation to you and yours. Have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays.
2: Thank you.
0: Thanks for the update, Etchen, and good to hear about the Corbett bump. And once again, nothing to do with me. It's about the people out there who are Passionate and interested about these subjects, so good on all of you for helping to spread this information. Um, anyway, as as Chen indicated, there you can go back to his previous appearances on Solutions Watch, including that uh, previous edition, the twenty twenty one edition about visualizing um, this information, but also on the White Rose Mucho Grande project. Okay, um, hey guys, we're into the home stretch here; less than ten episodes left to review. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. All right. Uh, September 13th, monkey wrenching the New World Order, um, where we were talking about creative acts of undermining and sabotage and other such things um, that can be done to, in order to monkey wrench the New World Order. And we talked about, for example, that phenomenon that's been happening this year um, about the ULEZ cameras in London and the uh, ultra light emission zone cameras that are being creatively destroyed, etc. And I got this email from Pauline who wrote, I can corroborate your recent post on you, Yes, it's happening in Bromley, South London suburbs. All cameras have been sprayed or skill sawed down. Many found in local pond. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Uh, I also got this interesting email from Elsa, who writes, Your Solutions Watch episode today reminded me that I've been meaning to share some of the activist shenanigans we've been up to in my town, in case it's of some interest to you. A few months ago, I received an invitation to join a planning meeting hosted by my town's 2030 Climate Action Committee. I'm a graphic designer, so I decided to snag their logo online and spoof their branding to create the pamphlet below, which we, we can show on screen here. Attached are the front and back sides and the folded pamphlet on display. My husband, a a couple friends, and I attended the meeting and were able to distribute pamphlets to attendees and mix these spoofed brochures in amongst their own marketing materials. I had such satisfaction watching our unsuspecting neighbors grabbing these on their way out. A friend managed to hand a pile to our energy commissioner for him to distribute, and he was both oblivious and delighted to help. Since the meeting we've been leaving them all over town in the library cafes community bulletin boards and grocery stores when we go back to check we see the number of pamphlets in the pile slowly dwindling so we know people are taking them home and not tossing them all out the hope was to create something that was a believably believably from the planning committee while also saying a little too much of the quiet part out loud so as to spark further investigation into the provided links by the way the QR code links to your work <laughs> Excellent. Well, <laughs> it's a very interesting idea, and definitely one of those ideas. It's like um, I pointed to before the work of people like the Yes Men, just hijacking and taking the sort of the these types of projects and putting them in. In interesting ways. Well, it doesn't have to be all from the yes-men side of the political spectrum. It can be about things about like, what is sustainable development? Check it out. <laughs> Here's a QR code <laughs> that directs you to the corporate report. Excellent. Okay. Hats off to all the people who are finding creative ways of getting this information out there. And that certainly ranks up there. So that, that might be comment of the year right there. All right. Um, moving right along, September 21st, how to defeat BlackRock. Obviously, a follow-up to my podcast, talking about how BlackRock conquered the world, which, of course, I hope you have seen. If you have not yet seen it, I hope you will see it. Um, but more importantly, perhaps, how to defeat BlackRock, which I do note, it is what it is. I could make uh, comments about this. But at any rate, how to defeat BlackRock, much more popular than... I'm sorry, how BlackRock conquered the world, much more popular than how to defeat BlackRock. Um Everyone wants to know about the problem. Who cares about the solution, right? It's strange, but it's true. And that is a fact of human nature. Anyway, um, if you haven't seen this edition of Solutions Watch, may I suggest it does open the door to the conversation. Of course, it is not the be all and end all. And it is not the end of the conversation, but it is an entree to the conversation of how to defeat the overwhelming behemoths like BlackRock and how we really defeat them at the end of the day. It's probably not going to be through. Just more strategic investing in the same blue chip for fortune 500 companies. But anyway, watch the episode. You can find out all about that. But I did receive this email from Patrick who writes, everyone knows online ratings affect small businesses. However, large corporations seem immune to public sentiment. The Reverb ETF hopes to change that. It's a fund that invests based on the ratings gathered by the Reverbate app. The app is free, anonymous, and open to everyone. These ratings have a direct impact on the companies rated Lower-rated companies receive lower or no investment from our fund, while highly-rated companies receive larger investments. Reverb's belief is that this simple yet powerful mechanism can give the public a stronger voice in the economy and encourage greater corporate accountability. As opposed to letting the so-called experts, or now the AI, in finance or government determine determine which companies are delivering value for society and therefore worthy of investment, Reverb and Reverberate... That's Reverberate. Sorry, it was a typo uh, on Patrick's part earlier in that email. Uh, Reverberate app are predicated on the idea that individuals should be contributing to those decisions collectively with a fair, unbiased voting mechanism. Check out rev.vote for more information. Investors should consider any investments carefully and can learn more about the uh, the product and its risks at reverb-etf.com. Once again, it's not a corporate seal of approval. I'm not promoting anything. I'm just passing along feedback from someone who had something in the crowd to say. At any rate, uh, next edition of Solutions Watch was on the newspaper revolution, where you will recall that uh, I was talking about the the Light newspaper, and I was taught in the UK, and I was talking about Druthers in Canada, and I was talking to Darren and Sean. Uh, about their efforts to create newspapers, I was also talking about the uh, the 2022 edition of Solutions Watch, where I was talking about how to make your own newspaper. So there's lots of information in there. Um, I reached out to Darren and Sean. I heard back from Sean; he didn't have time, unfortunately, to provide a summary or update. But you, of course, can go to the Druthers website. You can go to the Light website to find out more information about what they're up to. I did. I will note: I did get an email from someone in Central America. Or maybe he was just visiting Central America. I couldn't tell from the email. But he was apparently inspired enough by that edition of Solutions Watch to start looking into local printers and costing out starting his own newspaper. Didn't hear back about it, though. So um, if you are out there still in the crowd, let me know how that went and whether that developed into a newspaper or is going to. Or anyone else who has any such feedback. I'd obviously be interested in hearing that. Or just your experience with these types of newspapers and whether you've seen them. How they're affecting your community, etc. Uh, the next edition of Solutions Watch: A Gentleman's Guide to Trolls, Bots, Sea Lions, aforementioned Sea Lions, Forum Spies, and other pests. But you know, it's the darndest thing. There isn't a single comment on this pod- podcast on any of my platforms. I just don't get it. <laughs> I love it when people don't watch the whole thing and then <laughs> don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. The next edition of Solutions Watch, Teaching Children About Conspiracies, where we talked to Connor Boyack, frequent Solutions Watch guest, um, 3 times Solutions Watch guest, about um, his Teaching Young Adults About Conspiracies book. Um... What was the name of that book? I'm going to have to look that up live while I'm doing this because I don't remember the name of the book. Uh, the Tuttle Twins Guide to True Conspiracies. There you go. And I realize, Mia Copa, I should have called that episode Teaching Young Adults About Conspiracies because I noticed a lot of the feedback and people in the comments, I think were people who didn't listen to the conversation or didn't l- listen closely where he was talking about the suggested age of these books. Obviously older than the age for the the, the core Tuttle Twin series, um, looking more at junior high, high school, and above level um, of young adults rather than children. But I just wanted to keep the the pattern, teaching children about history, teaching children about liberty, teaching children about conspiracies. But people got hung up on the word children. Anyway, at, at any rate, there was, there was a lot of feedback um, about that. For example, corporate board member Hedge110 wrote, um, been reading... Uh, Tuttle twins books with my eight-year-old daughter every night for over two years. She also knows how to pick a fake cloud. All this said, she is engrossed in the YouTube matrix with all its superficiality. We often turn the unhelpful in- into productive, the unhelpful into productive through talking points. Can anyone recommend edgy video content that would help to train and awaken the next generation? Corbett Report? Open source education? Well, we'll get to that. Uh, And Blondie56, who writes, I I just received this book on Monday. Uh, I'm in the process of reading it myself now. It put a smile on my face to see you put out this episode today, James. I love the synchronicity of this universe. I also ordered this set of kids' books for my seven-year-old granddaughter a couple of months ago. However... She struggles with reading. I'm not sure how they teach reading in school these days, and unfortunately she has pretty much been raised on an iPad, and doesn't find the books too easy to understand, so gets bored with them easily. I live in a a few states away, so I don't have as much personal interaction with her as I'd like. Although her older sister is 23, just graduated from college, and recently started working as a reporter for a local news station in her home state, I think sharing these books with her may be an excellent idea. As usual, I appreciate all of the work you regularly share with us, James. And I appreciate you, Blondie, for the the updates, the uh, the feedback, letting us know how these things work. Um, again, your mileage will vary, undoubtedly, depending on the people in your life and who may or may not be receptive to it. But there's another arrow in the quiver um, for your info arsenal. All right, uh, the next edition of Solutions Watch, November 1st. Pick your pieces, in which you will recall, no doubt, I talked to Joe Plummer. Previous Corbett Report guest and author and uh, a videomaker, etc., about his book on "Pick Your Pieces," a more philosophical, psychological exploration of how people can change their lives. And Joe would know what he's talking about because, as you heard in that episode, he talked about his dramatic transformation from his life as a youthful vagabond and vagrant into a uh, productive human being and how that occurred and some of the, uh, the insights that got him there. And I had a lot of feedback along the lines of this email that I received from Jerry. Um, subject line, the best solutions watch to date. Um, James, thank you for your recent video, Pick Your Pieces. That episode resonated so profoundly for me, it stopped me in my tracks and brought me to tears. I am struggling with many of the problems you guys mentioned, and this rewiring of circuits concept is already helping. Just knowing there is a path forward and I'm not alone in this crazy world is comforting. Thank you for what you do. Awesome. Love to hear it. That's great. And that, as I say, it's not the only email or comment along those lines that I've rece- received about that episode specifically. So definitely, if you skipped over that episode, please take the time to watch it. I think it is a profound and powerful one. Anyway, I did reach out to Joe Plummer for his own summary feedback updates and this is the response I received.
13: Howdy, James. Just got a quick update for you here regarding the interview we just did a month ago about regarding pick your pieces. Uh, nothing but good news. First and foremost, um, I-, I can't tell you how many messages I've received from people, like truly heartfelt messages that the information was useful and really resonated with them so I mean come on that's that's as good as it gets so right off the bat uh, nothing but good news uh... secondly the uh... the free pdf it looks like over a thousand people have already downloaded that so i think that's crazy and awesome so um, i'm sure you can include a, a link to the free pdf for people who want to download that version of the book um, and uh, I know there's a little more. Th- oh, the, um, the the actual interview itself. I'm going to go through the whole thing and cut out like topic-specific segments. I think I should be able to find a handful of them that will make it easier for people to kind of get an idea. You know, get their toes wet about what the you know the full interview is about, what it covers, and of course, by extension, what the book is all about. So I did that with one already called. Um, I, I titled it "Escape the Two Minutes of Hate." And it's, and it's a, a two-minute clip from the interview, clearly a reference to Orwell's 1984, how the party kept people in line by continually evoking rage within them and then directing that as they saw fit, you know, in a way that benefited the party. So uh, anyway, that's it. That's That's it for the update. Uh, nothing but good news, and uh, thank you for providing the platform to reach people. It's having an effect, and, uh, you know, that's why we do this. So, thank you.
0: That's why we do this indeed. Awesome. Love to hear it. So, uh, as suggested, yes, I will include the link to Pick Your Pieces in the show notes for people who missed it, not only the Solutions Watch episode, but the book itself, in case you want. And as he he says, there's a free download of it. You can purchase a copy if you want, but you can download the free PDF version, as over a thousand people already have. Awesome. Love to hear it. Okay, next edition of Solutions Watch. We are almost there, guys. Uh, The 31st episode of the year was Freedom's the Answer! what's the question? And you will recall that I talked to um, Keith Knight and Larkin Rose uh, about the various many, many, many questions I get about anarchy and freedom, et cetera, um, from many different directions. And there was lots of feedback and lots of people saying a lot of things. Uh, For example, Hughes or Name um, wrote that Fraser Institute list that Keith Knight cited in That um, conversation was a bad example, as the countries they declare to have the most freedom are actually the most statist, collectivist, and socialist. Socialist here not meaning communist, but welfare state countries. Uh, their criteria are bogus. As you can see when going on their website, their number one indicator as listed is rule of law. So it, actually the exact opposite of the freedom that you're advocating. Their idea is free countries are countries where you don't get harassed by your fellow man as opposed to not getting harassed by your state. It's best to refrain from using such examples as it undermines your goals. All right. Good point. I uh, I actually, I did think that as as we were in that conversation, but... Didn't come up in the conversation, but yes, it's a good point. Um, lots of other discussion about China and free trade, which I think only goes to show how amazingly effective the uh, the word smithery propaganda of the mind controllers and would be social controllers uh, is is so effective. In which free trade, quote unquote, is managed, controlled, directed trade, limited and directed by the state using their monopoly violent for a uh, mono- monopoly on violence and force so free trade is anything but at least the way they talk about free trade anyway um so please go into the comments lots and lots of feedback on that but um very very good deep cut callback by corporate report subscriber anon who writes weapon freedom i won't my myob All right, anyone in the audience who knows that reference and gets it, ding, 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 great. And for those who don't get it, I will just say, uh, re-familiarize yourself with uh, film literature in the New World Order, and you will get that reference. All right, Um, next, number 32 for the year was Community Gardening Solutions Watch, where you'll recall, I, along with Brock West and friend and bedmate Sean Smith, we traveled to Osaka and interviewed Brian, uh, organic farmer, non-GMO farmer, I'm doing community gardening out there in in the middle of Osaka, and yes, it can be done in urban areas. And uh, we talked about that. Uh, Some uh, good update already. Uh, That has been translated into Japanese. There are Japanese subtitles by uh, Jimakudayo, who has translated a number of my videos, by the way, into Japanese, and a number of other truth-related videos into Japanese, so people are looking for Japanese translations. I will direct you in that direction. I'll, of course, have the link to the Japanese translation of that edition of Solutions Watch. And just on that note, I will note that recently it did come up in the comment section, as it does time to time. People are always asking about translations. And I speak Spanish. I speak Norwegian. I speak Swahili. How can I? You should you should have Swahili translations, James. Well, thank you for the input. Um, and thank you to Home Remedy Supply in the comment section, as usual, for pointing out to the previous edition of Solutions Watch on Translate the Truth which may or may not be a functioning and ongoing concern, but at any rate does talk about that idea and one place where you can go to start finding some information about translations that do exist. And Home Remedy Supply also pointed out there are links to various dubs and translations of my documentaries. For example, most of of my main documentaries, the Big Oil documentaries, etc., have been translated and dubbed into numerous languages, etc., At any rate, there's a lot more to say about that, but um, you can also find the translation video, the Japanese subtitle video for that uh, Community Garden Solutions Watch, on the No Mask channel, the channel of the Odyssey channel of Brian, the organic uh, farmer that we were talking to in that episode. He also has a behind-the-scenes slash outtakes of uh, some of the things that we were recording there in the garden, and uh, so you can go see that on his channel. I'll leave The link, once again, in the show notes here at corporatereport.com slash 2023Solutions. And finally, (sighs) the final edition of Solutions Watch, other than this one, I suppose, uh, was released on December 11th, Open Source Education. And I hope you remember, because it was only a week or two ago. Um, OpenSourceEducation.online, which represents, thanks to the prodding and the encouragement and the idea and the motivation and the limitless energy of Ernest Hancock of Declare Your Independence, slash com. Uh, there's now an open source education.online, a, uh, a completely self-contained single website landing page uh, that is part of the Open Source Education Institute, we'll call it, <laughs> which now exists, I guess, in which uh, I have divided some of the core main topics of Corbett Report into sort of Everyday School Subjects, Economics, History, Literature, Politics, Science, and put some of the best Corbett Report work under those categories there at opensourceeducation.online. A lot of people have given feedback about that. Um, Some suggestions about you should add this course, you should have this subject, you should put this up there, etc., etc. Yeah, all under consideration. I am going to see how to develop this in the future and whether there is interest in it and how it might evolve and expand from here and who knows? Who knows what form this will take in the end? Um, there's there's a lot going on with regards to that, and we'll see. At any rate, um, at any rate, it is out there in the world right now, and as you saw in that edition of Solutions Watch, there's some interesting ideas that Ernie is using to get the word out. So, lots more to say on that in the in the new year. But for now, for the time being, I think I think that's it. You know what? I think that'll do it. That was a lot of work <laughs> both in terms of the year and in terms of this particular episode. So whew, thank you for staying with me not only throughout the year and throughout all of this work but also throughout this very very lengthy update. But if you are here, if you made it through all of this update, then you are the real true core of the Corbett Report audience. You are the the very 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 few. The the select few who will Truly, truly are, are there for this information, and I salute you guys. And I'm going to say what I'm about to say without any shred of ego and any shred of humility, because it has nothing to do with me. Solutions Watch is the best damn program in the independent media right now, bar none. And I, again, I say that without a shred of humility or a shred of ego, because it has nothing whatsoever to do with me. It is not about James Corbett. It is not about the Corbett Report. It is about everyone out there, all of the activists, all of the people that you've just seen, and all of the things that they're doing, the projects, the ideas, the things that they are doing to enact things in the real world. That is awesome. That is exciting. That is what we need to be concentrating our time and attention on. Not, oh, hey, look at this problem. Look at this problem. Look at this bad thing that happened. That is the wrong way to focus our attention. And if you are here, especially here at the end of this Solutions Watch update, then you understand that, right? You get it. So my hat's off to all of you guys out there for taking this information and doing something with it. Because information, who cares? It doesn't mean anything unless and until it is enacted in the real world. So finally, let me... Let me uh, put a little bit of a challenge out to other content creators out there. Please, please, in the new year, make it your New Year's mission, your whatever. If you do New Year's uh, resolutions, make it your resolution that you're going to create a space in your content for solutions-oriented stuff. It doesn't have to be called Solutions Watch or look anything like Solutions Watch, but just take time to and make it a point to highlight this is awesome stuff that is going on because I know there are so many good content creators out there that are doing the same old same old of talking about the problems and talking about the bad things and look at the this bad news that just happened. But there's so much stuff happening out there and I say that advisedly because As much as I dedicate, every single week I'm talking about this and talking to people and highlighting work, I get, for every person I talk to, there's dozens of messages from people who've written a book or who have this idea or who've started some organization. And I cannot, as one human being, I cannot take all of this on board. There's so much information, so much happening out there, so many people doing so many things that I can't keep track of it all myself and I can't bring it all to you. I will do my level best to bring what I can to your attention. But it's only a sliver of what's going on out there and I wish people were putting as much effort into the solutions as they were into following the problems. As I say, it's like the BlackRock, the How BlackRock Conquered the World gets a lot of attention. How to defeat BlackRock. (laughs) Make of that what you will. And uh, perhaps that's a future Solutions Watch concept that we'll have to explore, how to actually get people interested in solving problems rather than just dwelling on solutions. problems. But anyway, that being said, I I must admit in recent weeks and months, uh, it's interesting the discrepancy that has occurred to me time and time and time again when I meet real people in real life, in the real world, almost invariably, they say, thank you so much for Solutions Watch. I love that. I love what you're doing there. It's really helped me, blah, blah, blah. Online, I don't hear that very much. In fact, it's mostly just people complaining that this isn't the I don't like this solution, that doesn't work for me, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So I must admit in recent months I have begun to question, is it worth it? Is it worth doing this solutions watch? Does anyone care? Is it is it making a difference? But I must say, after doing this and after going through uh, the 30 plus episodes of Solutions Watch from this past year and putting all this information together and seeing all of this dynamic energy and all of these wonderful things that people are working on and doing and people taking stuff out of it, it's honestly, it's re-energized me. So for people who don't like Solutions Watch and don't want to see it anymore, bad news. (laughs) I am coming back at it with full force in 2024. I hope you will be there with me for that. Having said that, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Hope you guys are enjoying your break. Now I'm going to enjoy a little bit of a break. So uh, you'll excuse me if I spend the next week or two, I don't know, a little while recuperating before I come back at it full force in the new year with some new and exciting things in store for you for corporatereport.com. Stay tuned, guys. But in the meantime, take a break. Enjoy the rest of your eggnog. And, uh, I'll see you next year. Happy New Year.